Matthew 11 is where we're at today, verses 25 through 30. Matthew 11, verse 25 through 30. Man, is there good news today? How many of you are tired? Anybody tired in here? Weary, wore out? Okay, man, this, this is the message for you, okay? This is the message for you. All right. If you'd like to stand, uh, many of you like to do that in this service while we read the Bible. You don't have to do that, but if you'd like to, you can. And I'm going to read our text, and then we'll pray, and we'll get started. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son. And anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Father, teach us today. We want this rest, God. We we want this rest of soul. God, we want to take up your yoke. God, we want to, to learn from you. God, how to be meek and humble and to have rest for our souls. God, give us faith to believe you. Give us faith to trust you. Give us faith to come today. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Guys, I can't tell you how cool it is to me that uh, the God of the universe, you know, the one with all power and authority who rules and reigns over all, he wants to take your burden. He, he wants to carry your burden. He, want, he wants to give you rest. He, he's not a God that piles on impossible obligations and gives you no hope to fulfill them. He's not a God who uses his power to force you to carry his load. That's what people do in, 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 in the world, isn't it? Like if someone's got power, they force you to carry their load, right? No, that's, that's not the way that Jesus is. Jesus is the suffering servant. Jesus is the one who carries our load. He's the one who brings us rest. Rest from from toil, relief from toil. Man, I hope that's appealing to you today. That's probably appealing depending on how how weary you feel on the inside, right? I I think if you're a new mother with a newborn baby, then probably rest is the sweetest word in the English language, right? Like it's it's worth more than gold. I can't tell you how many times my wife has told me that during uh, raising our six kids. There's been times where she said, "All I want is a nap." You know, all I, that's all I want. What do you want, honey? Diamond ring? No, nap. You know, I mean, she, like that, it was that. It was that important. It was that. And so, so may, maybe maybe the more weary you are today, the more the more desperate for rest you are, the heavier your load, the more sweet Jesus' words, His promise of this rest will be. Now, it's not just physical rest. I actually believe that physical rest actually doesn't do what Jesus is talking about here. Um, I, I don't know about you guys, but if I ever, if I do get a nap, when I wake up, my problems are not all gone. Now, sometimes I feel more, you know, energized to tackle them, but like physical rest actually does not bring what Jesus is talking about here. He's talking about a, a different kind of rest, a deeper kind of rest, a soul rest for those who are soul weary. You see, there are many people today that are wearing themselves out emotionally, spiritually, trying to find significance, trying to find purpose, trying to find satisfaction, trying to be 
somebody, trying to get their way. And Jesus is offering you rest. I actually think that, I, I don't think I need to explain this. Like, I, I'm going to. You're like, well, why don't you just stop? Well, because I'm going to preach, okay? But, but, but I, I think you know. I think you know. When Jesus says, come to me, all who, who are weary and heavy laden, I, I think you know what that is. I think you feel it in your soul. I think the world knows what this is. I was thinking about movies and media. Man, there's all kinds of songs, movies, things that, that depict the weariness in the human soul. But here's the thing. If you don't know Jesus, you don't know how to fix that. I was thinking about the movie The Help. A lot of times when I use movie references, I feel like I'm in the room by myself, okay? So it's okay if, if, you know, if this is another one of those. But, but I was thinking about the movie The Help, right? And there's this great scene in there where there's this, this gal named Miss Hilly. And Miss Hilly tries to control everybody. She tries to, to, to exalt herself, really. She's always trying to exalt herself and push everybody else down. That, that's really kind of her mode of operation. And then this maid confronts her. And there's this conversation that happens between us. And it goes like this. She says, all you do, the maid says to Miss Hilly, all you do is scare and lie and try to get what you want. And then she says this. Ain't you tired, Miss Hilly? Ain't you tired? When, when I saw that scene, I, I, I was thinking, the world realizes that people are wearing themselves out, trying to exalt themselves, trying to be somebody, trying to be significant, trying to, trying, trying to whatever. And they're wearing themselves out, and they don't know the answer. There's this popular song, it's on the radio. I hear it everywhere. I've heard it in restaurants. I've heard it, you know, people just be playing music. I'll hear it come on. And I always make fun of it with my kids. My kids, my kids hate it when I, I like take a song really literal, okay? And so the chorus of this song, and it says it over and over and over and over and over again. Most of the song is just the chorus. But it says, uh, holding on, why is everything so heavy? Holding on, why is everything so heavy? Uh, so much more than I can carry, I think is the other part of it. So I'm, I'm always telling my kids whenever that song's playing, I was like, that guy needs to go to the gym. Everything's too, he can't pick up anything, you know. But, but when, when you, I actually looked up the, the, the lyrics last night on the internet, and it's, it's talking about a soul weariness. It's talking about the heaviness of life, the, the pressures and the demands and the heaviness of life. And, and, and so here you got this person singing about why is life so heavy? No, I just, if I could just have a conversation with him, I would say, Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. So what, what, what are people carrying that's heavy in this world? Have you ever thought about that? Like, what, what is this heaviness? What is this fatigue? What is this weariness that they're carrying? Well, let, let me give you a bunch of stuff here, okay? People are carrying their sin. People, people are carrying their failures and their mistakes and their transgressions and their blow-ups and the things that they have said and done that they feel a mountain for guilt for. I've been reading this book with a couple guys in, in this campus called uh, Spiritual Depression by Martin Lloyd-Jones. And Lloyd-Jones makes this amazing case that a lot of people are, 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 are miserable simply because they don't believe the gospel. And then they carry around this low-grade fever of guilt and, and the heaviness of all their mistakes and failures in life. They carry this world of iniquity that presses down on them, this ever-looming wrath of God that would crush them. And, and not just our own sin, but I think there's a heaviness to the sins of others against us. 
Man, I can't tell you how many people I talk to who, who, who've had seen things said to them that still cut them. Maybe they were said a decade, two decades ago, maybe in their childhood, and they're still carrying around the bleeding wound of this thing that was said about them or said to them. Or maybe there were painful things that were done to them, and they've suffered loss, and then they walk around feeling cheated and harmed, and there's this, there's this basically carrying this backpack of unforgiveness, pulling this trailer of bitterness that they can't get off of them they don't know how to get off it they don't know how to get it off they just know that they've been wrong they've been sinned against they've been hurt they've been betrayed they've been lied to and then they're just dragging this weight of that through their lives and it makes them tired it's heavy i think when you look at the context of matthew 11 you get the heaviness of religious effort i mean there's a there's a world full of people that are trying to be good enough. Did you know that? Most of the world is, is, is breaking their back, trying to be good enough, comparing themselves to other people, trying, trying to be a good enough mom, a good enough dad, a good enough parent, a good enough spouse, a good enough person, a good enough Christian even. And it's heavy. People are carrying regrets. There's a lot of folks that just live... With, with a continual sense of regret for things that they've done, things that they mistakes, foolish decisions that they're still suffering the consequences for. Folks walk around with this heaviness of broken relationships or a heaviness of addiction or a heaviness of sinful fears and doubts or a heaviness of hopelessness or emptiness, a heaviness of keeping up with the Joneses. That's hard, isn't it? Isn't it hard? I don't know who the Joneses are, but everybody's trying to keep up with them, you know? Isn't that, isn't that tiring, you know? Keep it, the load of, how many of you feel the load of providing? You know, you got a mortgage on a house that was too expensive and cars that have depreciated too fast and you got college tuition payments or maybe that's just me, but I got them, you know. You got dance costumes to buy and you just put new tires in the last vacation on a credit card and now the heater's making a noise. And it's heavy. I, I wonder if there's just even a load of the, the world, just the, the catastrophe that surrounds us all day long of abortion and sex trafficking and pedophiles and battered women and refugees and bomb threats and terrorists and taxes and racism and political division and school shootings and hurricanes and wildfires. And I think there was a, if I saw the headline right this morning, there was a shooting in a synagogue. And it's all so heavy and here's what Jesus is saying he is saying I am what will bring you rest I am what you need now I know that's a that's a huge statement isn't it for Jesus to say that to all of us right because what, what you're saying is no I need, I need $10,000 is what I need, you know, to pay off this bill. Or I, I, I need to sleep. Or I need to be able to, you know, my health to be better. I, I need a different family or a different spouse. Or I, I need different relationships. Right? Now, Jesus is saying, no, no, no. Trust me. You come to me. I'll give you rest. Now, anytime Jesus makes a statement like that, one of these I am what you need statements, he, he always, almost always prefaces it with, with this this great description of who he is. 
So, so let me give you an example. In Matthew 28, when Jesus gives us the Great Commission, and, he, and he's, you know, he comes out of the tomb, resurrected from the dead, and then he meets with his followers, and he's about to commission them into the world. You remember what he says in verse 18? He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go make disciples, right? Like he's always doing stuff like that. He's always loading us up with, hey, remember who I am? Now this, right? He does that here. Okay, so look in verse 27. Verse 27, he says, all things have been handed over to me by my Father. Isn't, isn't that a huge statement? What, what are all things, by the way? I think all things are all things, don't you? I think all things means all things. So, so Jesus, Jesus is saying everything. Right? He's got the keys of the kingdom. Life, death, salvation, forgiveness, it's all his. All the resources, all that is needed, life transformation. He's saying, the Father has given all of that to me. And then he, then he says an incredibly exclusive thing, okay? Notice the next phrase in verse 27, all right? He says, so all things have been handed over to me by my Father. And then he says this, no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son. I have people all the time try to tell me that uh, really the Bible is just one of many ways to God. And, and they'll act like, you know, we've just misunderstood the Bible. You know, that actually there's one God, and some people call him Allah, and some people call him Yahweh, and some people call him, you know, whatever. And, you know, there's an there's a Islam tract to God, and there's a, there's a Christianity tract to God, and, there, you know, there's all these tracts. Jesus completely spoke against that. Do you notice what he says in verse 27? He says, no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son. You know what he's saying there? He's saying that he and the Father have an exclusive relationship and that nobody knows the Father except him. In other words, no, nobody can reveal to you the way to God except him. The next phrase there, it says, and, and, and no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. He, he's saying only Jesus can reveal the Father to you. Okay, so put those things together. So he's saying, everything's been handed to me by my Father and I, I alone know the Father and I alone reveal the Father. So come to me. You see how, how he adds on that? So, so come to me. Not, not come to a program, not come to a philosophy, not come to an idol or priority. No, no, no. This is an invitation to weary and burdened people to come to Jesus. Come to a person. This is a, a personal invitation. Jesus is saying, you come to me. I can't tell you how it blows me away. But that's the kind of God we serve. He's come, let me, let me, let me, come on up. And I'll bear your burdens. 700 years before Jesus was born, Isaiah prophesied of him in this way in the great Isaiah 53 passage of the cross. He says in verse 4, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. See, Isaiah was saying this is who the Messiah is going to be. He's going to be someone who bears your griefs and he's going to be someone who carries your sorrows. And so Jesus is asking you to make a face step today. He's asking you to come to him. And that's, that's a face step, isn't it? To, to come means to believe that he is who he says he is, and he's going to do what he says he's going to do. And, and to come to him is, is saying, you're basically saying, you are the answer. You know, what, what I need is not a nap. What I need is not, you know, a car payment. What I need is not, no. What, what I need is Jesus, and, and, and I'm going to move, okay? So come to me implies faith that causes you to move. Okay, so, so come is, is, is a word that means move away from wherever you are and move to Jesus. My little boy and I have this conversation every day, multiple times a day, when I say to him, come to me, right? And it's, it's always because 
He has a need that either he cannot or will not take care of, and so he needs to come to me, right? Sometimes he doesn't recognize it as a need, but, but he's got a need that every morning. This, ha- this happens before 8 o'clock every morning because he's naked, and we're leaving, and he needs clothes, right? And, and isn't it interesting? I, I think children are so fascinating the way that God has, has designed them in that they can do some things, can't do. He, he can take his little gator, and go down a, we've got this slanted driveway near our, our house, kind of steep. He can take that thing, come off that edge, head down there, and right at the last minute, he cranks it and hits the brake, and he can do a Rockford, okay? He can do that in his gator, but he cannot put his pants on, right? Like, like, I mean, you, if he had, uh, you can't do it. Like, he just doesn't have the dexterity to put his brown britches on, right? And so in the morning, we have a conversation like this every morning. Buddy time for pre-k come to me i got your clothes right you come to me i know you're busy i know you think this is not what you need but going to pre-k in your star wars underwear is not what you need you know so you need to move you need to move from where you are from what you're doing and you need to come to me jesus saying the same thing to you minus the star wars underwear he's he's saying you're weary and heavy laden and you need to believe that I am what you need. And then you need to move. Okay, move. Like, move in prayer. Move in obedience. Move in trust. And particularly, what, what he says, this, this is so beautiful, is he says, move and take my yoke upon you. Right? He's, he's going to bring rest to our souls. He, he is the one that's going to bring rest And how's he going to do that? He's going to bring rest by you taking his yoke upon you. Notice that. So I'm going to read it again. Verse 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Verse 29. Take my yoke upon you. I, I think that is unexpected for a lot of you. I think it's unexpected that Jesus would use the analogy of a yoke. Right? You know what a yoke is, right? It's a, it's a wooden beam that, that, that fits on two oxen and it ties them together and it ties them to the driver, the master of the oxen. All right? And so Jesus is saying, take my yoke upon you. Now, the first thing I think you're going to find interesting about that is that Jesus says, I'm going to give you rest. Now put this work piece of equipment on you, right? It's almost like he says, I'm going to give you rest. Now put your work gloves on, right? And, and, and a lot of us are saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, I, I, don't, I don't want to work, right? I don't want to labor. I don't want to toil. You know, I need rest. I'm already weary. I'm already overburdened. And so what, what I need is to stop working. I need inactivity. And that's a lie. Americans have bought into this idea that not having a job or not having to provide for yourself, that, that that is rest for your soul. You know how I know that? It's because, you know what we call the time of life when, when, when you get old enough to where your body starts to have problems, right? And you, you start to have a lot more sicknesses and you start to not be able to do the things that you could do before and you start to be able to not, not, not to be able to, to work at the job. You know what we call that in America? We call that the golden years, Right? Now, in in that strain, you know, why are they golden? You know, why 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 is why is Medicare? You know, you know why we think that because we we equate not working with gold, with rest. It, I think a lot of you senior adults would probably testify that that is not really the case. That is not what brings rest to your souls. 
And so, so when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, he, again, it's a faith statement. He's saying, I'm going to bring rest. But the first thing you got to be is you got to be joined to me in, in my mission. You, you know, I, I, I don't know how you think about this, but so when he says, take my yoke upon you, he could be saying, it, it's, it's not clear in the passage, I don't think. Um, I, I'll give you my reason for my evidence of what I think, but it actually doesn't matter because both of them are biblically true. But he could be saying, take my yoke upon you and like Jesus is the driver of the oxen, right? Like, like I, the only time I've ever seen this is in India. I've never actually seen this in America, but just in July when we were preaching at a pastor's conference up in Bradoxalem, um, right across from us in the field across from us, I got pictures of this. There were three yoke of oxen and they were plowing a field, you know? And, and so Jesus could be saying, take my yoke upon you. And, and he is basically the driver of the oxen. In other words, he's the master. He's going to steer you. He's going to direct you. He's going to teach you. Okay, that, that could be true. Um, absolutely, it fits with the passage. It fits theologically. But I, you know what I think is a better picture? Is the yoke is two, right? Like, like it yokes oxen together. I think he's saying, come under the yoke with me. See, that's theologically true as well. Because the Bible tells us that that when we put our faith in him, we're joined to Jesus. And so now we're walking with him. I, I love the picture of being yoked to Jesus. So if he turns right, I'm not going left. I can't go left, right? I'm going right. If he, if he goes left, I'm going left. If he slows down, I'm slowing down. If he speeds up, I'm speeding up. Like we're together in this. I think that's the picture. I think Jesus is saying, take my yoke in the sense of be yoked to me. And you will find rest. Because I, I don't think the rest for your souls is going to come by doing nothing. I think rest for your souls is going to come by knowing, loving, serving, being joined to Jesus. I think, I think it's being in his work that will give you rest for your souls. There's this great passage in Isaiah 55 that I can't help but think that Jesus was hearkening back to when, when, he, when he said this. Because in Isaiah 55, let me give you the similar language. Okay, verse 1 says, come. Okay, there's the come language, right? Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. He who has no money, come buy and eat. Come, come buy wine and milk without money, without price. And then verse 2 says, why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? Then listen to this phrase. And your labor for that which does not satisfy. See, that's, that's what I think Jesus is calling you away from. He's calling you away from this toil and this burden-bearing it doesn't satisfy. And he's calling you to a different kind of labor. He's saying, put my yoke upon you. Come be joined with me. Come work with me. Hey, how do you begin working with Jesus? Like what's step one? What is first thing? It's faith. It's, it's faith in Christ, right? It, it, it's salvation. It's being joined to him. But how do we get there? Faith, right? Listen, listen to this beautiful phrase in John 6, verse 28. He says, Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you're seeking me now, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of your fill of the loaves. Verse 27, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the work that endures to eternal life. Um, down in verse 28, uh, just giving you a little context here. Verse 28 says, then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answer. So what are the works of God? Here's, here's his answer. This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. What's the work of God? That you believe. Step one of me being yoked to Jesus is me trusting that he is who he says he is and he'll do what he says he'll do. That, 
That's step one of, of working with Jesus. Really, the rest kind of falls in the line. Once you start trusting him, once you start loving him and serving him and seeking him and, and being on mission for him, man, that you begin to find rest for your souls. Notice verse 29. Okay, so what's going to happen here? So he says, take my yoke upon you. And then what's the next phrase? And learn from me. One of the things that is absolutely true is that the rest for your soul will not come from your outside circumstances. That We always want to control those things, right? Rest for your soul will come from what is inside of you, from what becomes cultivated inside of you. And here's what Jesus says. He says, when you take my yoke upon you, then you begin to learn from me. Okay, and what particularly are we learning? Look at verse 29. He says, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. Man, does everybody see that? Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. What are you learning? Well, he says, I'm gentle and lowly in heart. Okay, that's not only good news for being yoked to him, but, but that, that's what we're learning as well. We're learning to be gentle and lowly at heart. We're, we're tied to him. The word gentle and lowly are great words in the Bible. The first one is the Greek word praus, and, and you'll recognize it because it's, it occurred in Matthew 5 when we went through the Beatitudes. Do you remember, remember what Jesus said when he said, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth? That word meek is this word. So it's the same word translated either gentle here or meek there. Okay, but it's this idea of letting things roll off of you and onto God. It's this idea of, of being under God's control. It's this idea of being submitted to God. It, it, the illustration most people use for it is, is a horse that is broke, okay? Not, not, not broke in a bad sense, but under the control of the master, right? And, and Jesus says, I, I am meek and I, I am lowly. The second word there is a word for humility. It's tapping us. It's a, he, it's a Greek word for, for, for lowly or humility, okay? That is who Jesus is. Let me prove that to you. I'll prove it to you in the gospel. Jesus is the one who left the glories of heaven, who laid down the privileges of his divinity, and who took up the trouble and the weakness of humanity. Jesus did that on his own. You know why? Because he's meek and lowly in heart. Jesus let go of all that he deserved, and he took up human flesh. And then he submitted to his father's authority. Do you remember the Garden of Gethsemane where he said, you know, Father, if it's possible, take this cup from me, but not my will, but yours be done. Right, he's, he's submitting himself to the Father's will and, and, and he goes to the cross and he drinks the cup of God's wrath because of your sins and he was mocked and beaten and spat upon and rejected and maligned and tortured and crucified all willingly. He submits himself to death even in order to save you. Why? Because he is meek and lowly in heart. And Jesus' meekness and humility result in your forgiveness and justification and transformation and future resurrection and glory and it results in him being exalted to the to the right hand of God where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he's Lord learn from him his meekness and his humility learn to be like Jesus you know what I found is that when you are unlike Jesus in this way your soul is 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 in more turmoil Think about what, what's the opposite of meek and what's the opposite of, of humble. All right, so if you're prideful, if you are frantic and freaked out about your life, if you're all upset and bound up in knots about, about your circumstances, let me tell you, do you have rest for your souls? You absolutely do not. That, that, that leads to turmoil. 
when you're unable to submit to God's sovereign plan for your life, when you're unable to let things roll off of you and onto God, your soul is at its worst. And not only is your soul at its worst, but you're hard on everybody else, okay? I hate to tell you that. They won't tell you that, but I'll just go ahead and tell you that. We'll, we'll say that corporately, okay? When you are prideful, when you are selfish, when you won't let things roll off of you and onto God, when you're not trusting God, you are hard on people. You're hard on your marriage. You're hard on your kids. You're hard on your parents. A teenager who is prideful and arrogant, man, hey, they're hard on everybody, right? They're hard on the parents. They're hard on the family. A parent who's prideful and arrogant, they're hard on everybody. But when we learn to be meek and lowly, that's the path to find and rest for our souls. You know what? If, if, you're, if you're one of those persons that, man, when, when things start to unravel, you just kind of freak out. You either hit the panic button or you fret or you're filled with anxiety or you get angry at everybody and everything else because things aren't going right and you're you need psalm 37 right you, you ought to put on your home screen you know something like look at psalm 37 dummy or something like that you know so every time you know it comes up so you're just you just go there because psalm 37 is all about learning to be like this okay let me read you some of it can i verse one uh, not all these are on the board sorry verse one says fret not yourself because of evildoers be not envious of wrongdoers um verse verse three trust in the lord do good dwell in the land dwell in his faithfulness verse four delight yourself in the lord he'll give you the desires of your heart verse five commit your way to the lord trust in him he will act. See, it's that conviction that God's going to act that enables you to let things roll off of you and on to God. Verse 6, he'll bring forth your righteousness as the light, your justice at the noonday. Verse 7, be still before the Lord. Man, that's meekness right there, isn't it? Being still before the Lord. How many of you find it's hard to just be still before him? You know, to just wait, wait before him. God, I'm, I'm trusting you. I'm looking at you. Everything's falling apart, God, but my eyes are on you. My confidence is in you. I'm yoked to you. I'm about your business. I'm not going my own way here. I'm, I'm sticking with you because I believe you'll bring rest to my soul. Verse 11, blessed are the meek. They shall inherit the land. Jesus is teaching us how to have rest for our souls. You know, because Jesus is meek and because he's humble, he is easy to be in a relationship with. I, I don't know if you've ever thought about that aspect of your Christianity, that Jesus is really, really easy to be in a relationship with. He's always does what's best for you. He's infinitely gracious. He's infinitely kind. He's infinitely faithful. He lays down his life to bring you to himself. He delights your soul with his promises and with his future for you two together. He is not overburdening, but rather he carries your burdens. And I want you to discover that. I, I, I don't want to just tell you that. I, I want you to know that. I want you to come to him. I, I'm, just, I'm just, I'm so afraid that in your mind, when you hear, come to me from Jesus and take my yoke upon you, all, all you can think of is, man, Jesus is going to ask me to do something. You know? Like, I'm already overburdened. My boss works me 70 hours a week, and I get home, and my family doesn't know how to do the dishes or laundry, so I got to do that too. You know, you hear that wearisome there, huh? Heavy laden. You know, and then, then what you hear is, take my yoke upon you. You're like, man, Jesus is going to have me sharing with my neighbors and baking cookies for homeless people and doing nice things to kids. I don't want to do that, right? That's too much. I'm already burdened. Here's the thing. 
when you trust him and when you take his yoke upon you and you start learning who he is and you start learning his meekness and his humility. And I know you just got to experience this, but let me read it to you. It's not a burden. And maybe you already know. Maybe, maybe some of you in here, you're like, yep, I know that. 1 John 5, 1 John 5, 3. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. I, I've experienced that. I, I want to testify about that. That there, there is a labor that is not wearisome. I was tired Wednesday and... Uh, I was getting a break from teaching because one of our other guys on our teaching team for the 5th, 6th grade boys was doing the teaching. And so uh, about 5 o'clock, Pastor Daniel comes in my office. He says, Pastor Jason, what are you doing tonight? And I said, well, I'm, I'm going with the 5th, 6th grade boys. You know, I'm not teaching tonight. Brian's teaching. And he says, well, we don't have a rec guy, you know. And so I said, hey, man, I'm, I'm your guy. Like, show me what to do, you know. So I did rec for all the team kids and one of the last classes was the preschoolers, you know. You would think that would be easier. It's not, you know. Like like getting their attention, you know. So, and, and by the way, I got nothing. Like I'm not prepared for this deal. Like So like as, as I'm lining them up, I'm racking my brain. I'm like, okay, what do kids like? What do little kids like? What do, you know, I'm, you'd think I'd know that automatically. I got six kids, you know. But I'm thinking, okay, little kids, that, they like animals and they like, like pretending. Okay, so I'm like, all right. You know, I line them up on the line, and then I'm like, all right, I'm going to call out an name. Oh, she got to get their attention. You know, sit down, sit down, you know, call out your attention. All right, all right. Dinosaur, you know, and I showed them how to be a dinosaur and get down on my knees, my 46-year-old knees. You know, I'm going to, you know, show them how to be a dinosaur, and then we all got to go get the ball with the dinosaur and get them back to the line. All right, all right, all right. everybody, all right, now we're going to be, you know, a shark, you know. So I, like 20 minutes of that, you know. And uh, I looked at my little step counter when I got, got done. I had 18,000 steps for the day, you know. <laughs> my soul was not weary. It wasn't a burden. I want you to experience that. I want you to experience just the joy of working with Jesus and, and being a part of his stuff and just letting things roll off of you and onto God. I want you to know what it is to say his commandments are not burdensome. His work is not a burden. His people are not a burden. Put those together. So what do we know from this passage? Well, verse 27, everything's been given to Jesus. Handed over by the Father to him. He alone knows the Father. He alone reveals the Father. Okay, so you got his sovereignty. That's what I would call his sovereignty. Okay, and then on the other side, you got the reality that he, in his nature, is meek and humble. A sovereign God who is meek and humble. My friends, I want to come to him. I want to come to that God. I want to come to a God who has all things and is meek and humble. I, I want to be yoked to him. And so I want you to hear one more time Jesus' invitation. He says, come to me. Come to me. What's he saying? He's saying belief. Would you believe that I will bring rest to your soul? And if you do, you'll move. You'll move from whatever you're trying to find rest in and you'll move to him. 
You'll move in prayer. You'll move in calling out to him. You'll move in obedience. You'll move in faith. You'll, you'll move to him. So come, let's pray. Father, I ask you, God, just to give us great faith. God, give us faith to believe that you are everything the Bible says you are and that you're gonna do everything the Bible says you're gonna do. God, help us to, to move in faith to you. And Father, give rest. God, give rest for our souls. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.